In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, to get the full impact of our reading from Romans 12, it will help us to remember that faith is trust. Faith is used different, differently in different times, but here we want to understand that faith is not just a belief system, faith is not just a way of life, but faith is trust. And so the biblical use of faith is best described with the Latin word fiducia. You may know the term fiduciary in financial settings, right? A fiduciary is someone you are supposed to be able to trust to give you unbiased advice and someone who will manage your assets for you to your benefit. Well, this is also how the life of faith works for the Christian. We trust that God's promises are for our benefit. And we trust that everything God says to us in his word is true. And so it's this kind of faith that has big implications. Because ultimately, ultimately it means that we as Christians have nothing to lose in this world. Our faith sets us free. Faith means we are free to love others in this world without pretense. Because to have faith is to trust in Christ alone. And so to be free in faith through the gospel of Christ allows us to love others without expectation. As Christians, we are free to love unconditionally. As Christians, we do not love because of what others can do for us. We don't love others because they have the resources we need or because they can give us something or because they'll make us better somehow. In fact, in verse 9, St. Paul writes, let love be genuine. The word for genuine here is literally not hypocritical. That is to love without a mask. To have genuine love is to truly want good for someone apart from how it might enrich you. This is why Paul will go on to describe what this love looks like. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Paul is saying here, love people where they are. Whether they are rich or poor, healthy or sick, happy or sad, don't just love people who will bring something to you. Likewise, genuine love does not wait for someone to change into a person who is easy to love in order to love them. Our call here is not to love our enemies when they become our friends, but to love our enemies, even if they continue to hate us. And Paul doesn't mean here that you have to set yourself up for abuse. In fact, he says, if it is possible, live peaceably with all. But he does say, as far as you are able, be good to those who are not good to you. There are times when relationships become volatile, even dangerous, and so we have to be judicious and discerning about what love entails. In fact, our gospel reading next Sunday will touch on some of those boundaries. But in our lives, we will judiciously have to discern how to love those who cause us harm. And we do so with prayer and humility. But God ultimately tells us to still love. There's no out to that command. There's no out for loving others. This means that we must not wish revenge on people. We don't try to even up scores. We don't try to hurt people because they've hurt us. Instead, we're called to pray for the well-being of those who make life difficult for us. Rejoice when they do well, weep when they grieve, and do what you can to bless them. 
And I know we live in a broken world where relationships and love don't always look like they should. And our temptation will always be to love love people with a desire to heal and to fix what is broken. But it's good to remember that loving someone is not a means to change them. The transformation of hearts is God's work, not ours. It is God who heals, God who changes hearts. We don't. However, we're commanded to work for the good of all. Whether or not they change, we work for their good. Loving someone is how we live in the present, especially with the future of judgment in mind. And you'll notice here at the end of Romans 12 how St. Paul commands us to love our enemies with future in mind, that is, in view of our faith. Paul says to leave room for the wrath of God. Now, he doesn't mean, as we've already heard, to only pretend to love people and secretly to hope that God's going to destroy them on the, ju- on the judgment day. Instead, St. Paul is encouraging us to have faith that God's going to sort out all things on the last day according to his goodness. He is reminding us that revenge is not for us. We're incapable of being impartial, fair judges anyway. So instead, in our faith, we trust that God will work out all things for our good. And we leave it at that. In view of our faith, we love others. And the consequences and results of how all that shakes out is God's doing, not ours. And so Paul commands us in this view of faith to hate what is evil and to hold on to what is good. To hate evil and to hold fast to what is good is directly connected to how we love our neighbors. And because we are saved by God alone and not by anything in this world, Paul says we are free to hate what is evil, to hold on to what is good. And so as Christians in this world, we don't have to pretend. We get to call a thing what it is because we don't need the world's recognition. We don't need the world's acclaim. We don't need the salvation the world offers. We don't have to climb the ladder of this world's success. Christ has already saved us. He's done the work for us. And so in this world, as Christians, we're free to call evil what it is, and we're free to hate it. In the first place, when we see evil in our own lives, we're free to hate it. When we see the evil of our own hearts, we don't dismiss it, but we confess it. We don't pretend like the sin and the evil in our hearts is a good thing, but we bring it to God in repentance, trusting that Christ has taken it from us on the cross. And it's always easy to see the evil in the world, to see evil in others, and ignore the evil in ourselves. But the evil in this world always begins in our own hearts. And by faith, we learn to hate it. And we're free to give it to God, trusting in his forgiveness. But secondly, we must also note that Christians now in this world and in their relationships must continue to hold on to these words of St. Paul. We live in a time which now has been characterized by the kind of pressure to conform that has been called cancel culture. If you point out something that is evil and call it evil, you risk losing your job, you risk being given a label. Or if you seek to defend what is good, well, you might be canceled, you might be labeled something, right? And there are evil things going on in our world that we're being told are actually good. 
Right? There are powers in this world that are trying to convince us that the mutilation of healthy bodies, the killing of unborn children, the redefinition of marriage are all good things. And we're told if we don't accept these things, there must be something wrong with us. But this has always been the way of the world. The history of the church for 2,000 years tells us of this kind of resistance that true Christians meet when they hate evil in this world. And so what St. Paul does here in Romans 12 is to remind us that we have faith in this world as it opposes us, and we let God handle the rest. We let God be God. And this is what St. Paul would have us take away from Romans 12. To move forward in this world with love is the result of our faith. Love is the fruit of faith. And so without faith, without trust in God, we're not able to love others as God has called us to. And by faith, the Spirit sets us free in this world to love, not getting consumed by getting everything right, not getting consumed by trying to change the world, not getting consumed with being on the right side of history, but with hope looking forward to the day when God will make all things new. And so this is an important balance we as faithful Christians have to hold on to. We are to love all people. We want good to happen to all people. But this also means that we are willing to call an evil thing an evil thing, and that we're allowed to call a good thing a good thing. Contemporary jargon has co-opted love to mean tolerance of all evil. But love is not the same thing as tolerance. And so we need to discern carefully here. We can call the actions of others evil, not because we hate others, but precisely because we love them. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. We want to discern things God has told us are evil and lead to destruction and name them for what they are. We all instinctively know this to be true, right? Because we love our children, we don't always tolerate what they do. We don't tolerate when they hurt themselves or hurt others. Instead, we show them a better way. In our lives as Christians, we want to identify the evil around us out of genuine love for people. And so we have to keep this in mind if we want to love our neighbors. We can and we should name the evil in our society, but we also should do so out of love. This means making sure that we're not pointing out evil things just to score political points. It's making sure we're not accusing others of being less than God's creation. It's not loving to treat people who engage in sinful actions like they're less than people created by God. There is dignity and worth in all people, and we always must remember that Christ has died for all, and he loves all sinners, especially including us. This is why St. Paul warns us here in Romans 12 against pride and against thinking ourselves to be better than we really are. Instead, we must hate evil. We must not participate in any kind of delusion that calls evil as good. But we must start first with examining our own hearts. We must work and speak against evil, we must call repentance those who do evil, but we cannot assume that we ourselves do not have many things to repent of. If we are going to love the world and be honest with the world, we have to start with our own hearts. And so we live humbly under God's word, 
right? Not as self-righteous judges, but as saints who are relying on God's mercy. And so we live by faith alone. Indeed, as we confess as good Lutherans, we are saved by faith alone. But day by day, we live by faith alone. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. And this makes us free. It makes us free to live lives that are not fake, that are not hypocritical. It makes us free to love without pretense. Because now you are free to hate evil. You're free to hate the evil in your own heart and bring it to God. You're free to hate the evil that you see around you. And you are free to hold on to what is good. You don't need the world's acclamation. You don't need the world's acceptance. You are entirely and wholly accepted by God. And so trusting in God alone, we get to strive to love all people. Amen.